Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, we have an awesome show lined up for today that I think uh, is very timely and interesting to folks. You know, we're going to start off talking about um, if you inherit a house, right? <laughs> what to right. do with that? It doesn't happen every day, but we do run across clients that, um, you know, their parents or someone in their family passes away and they come across part of the inheritance is a house. And so the question is, what do you do? Yeah, I, I mean, it happens a lot, actually. Yeah, it I does. see that all the time, and um, folks are scratching their head with what to do with that. So I think that's, you know, with the baby boomer generation, I think it's a very timely talk topic, and a lot of folks are going to be inheriting houses. Yes, you know, they are. In the near future. So I think that's going to be very interesting. And then we're going to follow that up with um, the five steps to early retirement. You know, if you're considering early retirement, there are some things you need to look at um, to make sure those are in place because that's a lot different than retiring at age, say, 66 when you're drawing Social Security and you have Medicare and all that going for you. So it's a different deal if you're planning to retire early or planning to retire maybe in your 50s. Um, you, you need to make sure some things are in place and you look at all the factors. So we're going to go through those today, and um, I think that'll be very, very important. But uh, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 23 years of experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. And we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every week on Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to all the podcasts. We have hundreds of them now and a lot of different topics. Um, we also have a lot of tools, um, Steve. We talk about this periodically. We have a lot of tools, some retirement calculators, some IRS information out there as well that you want to check out on the website. And then also Facebook. We have a good Facebook page. We post information out there um, periodically, and we also have a Twitter account that we occasionally tweet. Right, <laughs> right. We're all over the place out there, so no excuse not to connect with the money doctors. Um and also, uh, do send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net, or you can link to us right off of our website. We're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. And this comes from the uh, 2018 Medicare Trustees Report. And, Steve, these numbers are starting to get a little scary. Uh, you know, we, we've seen some shortfalls out in 2030. Well, they've just come out and said that the uh, Medicare uh, hospital portion uh, that affects 60 million people is going to fall short in 2026. That's only eight years away. That's, yeah, that's not a long runway. That, that's pretty pretty short. Yeah, that's Medicare Part A, mm -hmm. and uh, but they say the full Medicare is good till 2034. Um, that's everything together, I guess. The whole uh, well, that's Social Security. Excuse me. Yeah, Social Security is yeah. is. But you know, it just seems like you know we've been talking about this. And it used to be decades out, you know, decades, right, you have decades right. to solve the problem. Now we're talking about eight years. Yeah, this, it'd be interesting <clears throat> to see what happens when we get there, you know, whether they raise the, the Medicare, you know, premiums or whether they increase the Medicare tax. I don't know, um, you know, but yeah, that's that's would, right around the corner. I would say yes on both of those. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Knowing our government, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll tag somebody with it, um, you know, rather than reform the system and, and make it solvent. So, uh, but anyway, interesting fact of the week, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is, so you've inherited a house, now what do you do with it, John? I mean, 
you got this house you inherited from mom or grandmother. And mm-hmm. uh, in my case, it was from my grandmother. And, uh, you know, I mean, gee, what's, what's the first step? You know, obviously you probably want to sell it, but if you don't want to sell it, I don't know. I mean, it's a long process. It's not like just getting cash, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, this comes from um, AARP. Uh, Shira Boss wrote this uh, article here, and we're going to have a conversation on a little bit today. And, you know, certainly inheriting in-house is um, considerably different from receiving a couple more zeros in your bank, right? That's a lot easier yes, it is. than having a house. And we do run across this pretty frequently. It doesn't happen daily, but we do, you know, once uh, or twice or maybe even three times a month we come across this. And so that's why we're kind of talking about it. So here's some of the steps that, um, you know, we recommend that you're taking a look at um, when you have this particular incident happen in your, in your life. First of all, keep the lights on. I mean, one of the first things that needs to be done is um, is to update the homeowner's insurance policy. You got to get to that. Uh, that can lapse if it's unoccupied, and make sure that the coverage continues by contacting the insurance company and letting them know what's going on and making any necessary changes. Yeah, exactly. You want to protect the asset, you know, and make sure that you got the insurance in place. But at the same time, you want to track down all utility accounts. Um, you know, you want to cancel those that aren't needed, so you're not wasting money on utilities or some kind of service that you don't need, but at the same time, you want to make sure the other bills are paid each month. You know, no matter what you're planning to do with the house or until you decide, you probably don't want the lights to go dark. Um, You know, you don't want there to be no heat or running water in the house. So you need to arrange to have all that taken care of and also to have the yard up kept as well. You want to make the house look like it's lived in. You don't want it to look like it's unoccupied and an easy target for you know, thieves or somebody to break in. So, you know, make sure you keep current with all that. And then also property tax payments. And of course, any mortgage, you got to make mm-hmm. sure those bills are paid as well. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, looking at the housekeeping, Steve, we, we see this as an issue. One of the highest hurdles that a lot of people face is, you know, are they leaning towards selling it? Are they going to rent the house? Or maybe they're actually going to live in it. So you got to figure out what you're going to do with all that stuff in that house. And, um, you know, if there are siblings um, that are going to inherit some of this, maybe doing a like a round robin approach where each brother or sister goes into the house, they take a turn choosing one of the items that they want, and um, then maybe hit, let the grandchildren go in there and take a turn. Maybe there's some things that, that mean something to them that bring back, you know, good memories and so forth. And, um, you know, the remainder can be sold in an estate sale or donated to charity, but having, you know, items, furniture, pictures, whatever that uh, your family can keep, um, before you you know dispose of it or even move into it is a good idea and you know putting off what can be a, a painful task of going through you know the belongings causes a lot of inherited homes just to be suspended in time sometimes for years so by not taking action you know it really costs you both financially and and emotionally as well so don't drag it out try to address it you know shortly after the death and uh, move on to the next phase whatever that looks like. Yeah, you got to jump in there and take care of all the stuff and and get that out of there. Um, the longer that stays there, stays there. Like you said, it, uh, it it's harder to to deal with it. So in, I would immediately make plans to meet there and start trying to disseminate the 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 stuff that's in the house. And you know, like you said, donate it to charity. So take care of that. That's, that's a great step. Next though, you want to make sure you want to figure out whether you're going to love the house or you're going to list it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it can be an emotional decision. That can be an emotional <clears throat> decision. You know, I mean, you try, you need to try not put it, to, you try not to put that off as well. Um, and figure out whether you're going to move into the house 
whether you're going to rent it out or whether you're going to sell it. And if you're unsure which way to go, you know, here are some things to consider on each of those options. First of all, if you're going to move into the property, you need to expect that the property taxes will probably rise significantly. Um, you know, the house is going to be reassessed at the current market value. It may take a while, but that, that usually happens. It will typically be reassessed. Yeah, you also want to get a home inspection. You want to make sure you kind of know what you're getting into from a maintenance standpoint. Um, you, you, you may need to to invest significant dollars in there. So make sure you understand what the maintenance items are. And, you know, something else to keep in mind, if siblings inherited a home as joint owners, um, you know, then you're going to have to you know, agree what to do with it. And one one of the owners may not want to sell it. So, you know, sometimes court comes in into play on these, these things. So having joint owners on a house is difficult. It is. It certainly can create problems associated with it. And if the home was inherited jointly with, you know, sibling, and you want to live there, um, then they'll need to be compensated. So you can work that out. Hopefully you have good relationships with your you know, siblings or whoever you're jointly uh, owning the house with. But you've got to think about some of these items, particularly on the front end, when you set up the beneficiaries on some of these um, right. you know, assets that are not liquid. Right. Yeah, we inherited my grandmother's house between me, my two brothers, and my two aunts. And... Uh, it was a little bit of a mess, you know, it was a hassle. Five it just people, took a yeah. long time. Five people had to all agree on what to do. And it took forever for everybody to figure out, you know, to get this, the stuff out of the house. And, um, you know, nobody really wants to take ownership. Everybody just kind of wants to point fingers and, you know, do it on a very slow process. And so, uh, you need to come up with a plan definitely and figure out what you're going to do and, and get on with it. But renting the house out is another consideration, John. I mean, you could rent the house out, and depending on the location and condition of the home, renting it could be a source of income. But beware, they say. I mean, there's a lot of times when families say, you know, let's rent it out, and they've never been involved with that before, and it turns into a complete nightmare. Um, then maybe they get the wrong person in there. They don't get a good tenant. Um, then you're dealing with damage or eviction. You know, it might not be the best business decision. So you need to be careful that you get a great tenant in the property if you're going to decide to rent it. Yeah, and also you may want to consider um, getting a professional property manager to handle all the marketing, the leasing, and the managing. You know, you're going to pay a little bit for that, but it at least may minimize the hassle for you and also some of the costly mistakes. And as we mentioned before, make sure you've had a home inspection, um, you know, you've addressed any safety issues, and that you've also taken out a landlord insurance policy. So when you're renting... There's a lot of liability that a lot of people aren't, um, you know, aware of. So you've got some some safety and some insurance needs that are going to be need to, to take care of. You're also going to want to check on um, city ordinances. Maybe homeowners association has rules on renting, and you know, some people it depends on the location, but you can have a vacation rental. Um, so again, getting a professional property manager to come in there and help um, can help you with that. And, you know, most people I come across generally don't rent it. They usually ended up selling it, but, um, it is an option. Yeah, definitely. You could rent it. So, uh, but then the next option here and the last one is selling it, of course. Um, you know, you get a step up in basis at death, so you won't pay any capital gains tax on any increase in the value of the home during your, uh, the deceased person's lifetime. So you only pay, Gains tax, capital gains tax on the increase in the value between the time you inherited it and when you sell it. And if you don't live in the area, you know, where the house is located, 
or even if you do, you know, it could pay to have one or more real estate agents come by and give you a consultation on the potential sales price and a plan for marketing the house. Yeah, and make sure you talk to the real estate agent about their opinion on investing in renovations um, versus selling as is. Of course, you know, updating can be beneficial, but most buyers do not want to move in and have to renovate. It's um, you know, it's costly, but it's not always, you know, critical that you have that. So sometimes renovations are needed. And as with any sale, but especially for a house that hasn't been updated in recent years, smaller improvements potentially will go much, much further. So you don't have to do them all by yourself. You can hire, you know, a painter to repaint from top to bottom, um, you know, neutral tones. You can get a professional landscaper to improve the, the curb appeal and um, sometimes simply decluttering and cleaning uh, to the point that uh, things are open um, can help sell the house as well. So those are some tips. Um, again, we, we do see a lot of people that are going through this, folks passing away and inheriting houses. And it's not an easy answer sometimes, but uh, these are some pretty good steps to take a look at. Yeah, definitely. It's a very important consideration and something to plan for if you think you're, you're uh, that that may be in your future, inheriting a house like that. So Good, good uh, story. And then that leads us up here to our question of the week. This question uh, is um, the, the, the child um, has graduated from high school. So we had some uh, some clients who, whose kids graduated. They got some gifts, uh, about $1,000 in uh, graduation money. They said, what should we do with the money? And, um, you know, the first thought is, is go spend it. And it's okay to spend some of it, but I'd probably break it up into three pieces. Spend maybe a third, maybe save a third into an emergency fund, and maybe invest a third as well. Um, yeah. You know, you've got a couple of different options there. But, um, you know, if they're 18, 19 years old, or 17, whatever the age is, graduate from high school, if you can start talking to them a little bit about investments, um, they can do a, a Roth IRA potentially, maybe a brokerage account. But it, it's a way that that money can can grow over time, and it's a way that you can educate them as well. Yeah, they definitely need to have a plan for that money. And, you know, if they don't have an emergency fund and they're going off to college, uh, it might be a good time to establish one. And that $1,000 would be a a nice little emergency fund for somebody going off to college. Um, Because, you know, if if they're taking a car, their car could break down. There's lots of things that can happen. So Emergency uh, pizza run late night, right? There you go. Yeah, (laughs) that wasn't exactly what I had in mind for emergency fund. but I didn't think so. You never know, you know, and then they, they should, they might want to save it for school too. I mean, lots of kids, you know, most kids graduate with a lot of debt. Yes, that's right. And so a thousand dollars would certainly help, you know, um, avoid some of that debt. So yeah, I mean, at that point in your life, you you really need to be careful about spending it. You need to, to put it toward your future. And, uh, it's a nice little windfall that, um, you need to make sure, you know, makes a difference. Yeah, take advantage of it. Absolutely. So good question of the week. And that leads up here to our next topic, and that is the five steps to early retirement. You know, and this is out of a U.S. News & World Report, a very recent article out of there. And, you know, almost everyone dreams of an early retirement, John. I mean, when you can quit the long hours, you can focus on your hobbies and causes that you're passionate about and spend time with your loved ones. Um, and while early retirement is a great achievement, it can only be a viable option if you've effectively planned well ahead for it. I mean, your financial affairs affairs have to be adequate to maintain your desired lifestyle for decades ahead if you're going to retire early. And this is not something that's easily accomplished because it's one thing 
to retire when you have Medicare, you have full Social Security at age 66 or 67, and maybe a pension. <clears throat> but it's quite another thing to retire maybe in your 50s and not have guaranteed health insurance or Social Security for five or 10 years. So if you do retire in your 50s, then there is undoubtedly going to be a gap between your retirement and drawing Medicare and Social Security. And that, among other things, takes some special planning. So here are some of the things to consider before you make a decision to clock out early and give up that regular paycheck for good. Yeah, I tell you one thing, Steve, here on the list, number one here is so important, and it does allow you to make these decisions of retiring early, and that's retiring free of debt. And yes, we're even talking about having your mortgage pay off. So if you plan on retiring early, you know, and you, you need, you know, hard, you need to make sure you have um, as few hard and fast financial obligations as possible. Life's expensive uh, enough without the drag of a large mortgage payment or car payments or credit cards. And you know, many advisors do counsel clients that early retirement can only begin once you have no debt or, you know, are pretty close to being debt-free as possible. So as you begin to plan out your retirement, you know, make sure you have your mortgage paid off. You have a plan for that. You have no credit card debt and no other types of debt. Student loans we see sometimes still hanging around in their 50s, believe it or not. So um, if you That's can retire right. debt-free, it allows you to retire early a lot of times. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if you are heading into retirement with a significant portion of your mortgage still pending, you know, not everybody can pay it off before retirement, but you may want to consider pushing back your retirement and start to make extra payments to pay it down because a successful retirement can be easily derailed or hampered by continued debt payments eating into your hard-earned nest egg over time. And also, you know, having a mortgage payment, that severely limits your flexibility in your budget. So try to get that paid off before retirement. Um, but that's a great point. The next one here on the list is to calculate whether your nest egg will support your lifestyle that you desire in retirement. Um, you know, so before deciding to retire, it's going to be crucial to determine whether your income and budget aligns with your lifestyle uh, that you expect to have in your golden years. You should count for how much that you're going to want to spend on housing expenses, you know, both in your current house and maybe any vacation type uh, houses that you house that you would have, you know, your daily expenses, your travel, your other financial elements that may be important to you, like making charitable contributions or supporting a loved one. And so, yes, that means having a retirement budget. You have to have a budget. You know, don't head into decades of retirement without spending an hour writing down every expense that you have now and how that might change when you get in retirement. Yeah, having that budget is key, uh, as we've talked about many times before. And when you're thinking about how much money you're going to need in retirement, it's typically advisable to have more money than you think you may need. Uh, life expectancies are, are generally becoming longer. Uh, according to a recent report by the uh, National Center for Health Statistics, the average life expectancy for Americans is about 79 years. Uh, so if you're if you made it to 60, that jumps up to 82 for men and 84 for women. And you really ought to be looking out into your your mid to uh, to even early 90s in today's world. We we do have clients. We, we know people that are living longer and longer. So you really got to plan for a longer retirement is what it boils down to. Absolutely. For most people. Yeah. And if you retire early, you know, like we said, that's decades. So, but the next here is to ensure that your portfolio is aligned with your risk tolerance and your goals. Um, with unpredictable geopolitical events around the world and the consistent 
the constant, you know, headlines coming out of Washington, D.C., it's important for pre-retirees to maintain your focus on investing for the long term. So instead of reacting drastically to the short-term market events that we see, stay the course and focus on portfolio diversification, uh, which will help you withstand any losses during the downturns. Additionally, as you head into retirement, you should specifically make sure that your portfolio is aligned with your risk tolerance and your financial goals for retirement. You know, many investors, they choose to shift toward a more conservative asset allocation as they grow older. And while this may be prudent consideration, this will be a prudent consideration, you know, to protect against market risk. You should also remember there's another type of risk, the silent killer inflation. Mm hmm. You want to keep in mind that your portfolio and your assets, they have to grow enough to keep pace with inflation. And early retirement means that you have longer to recover from the downturns and you have longer to make your money last, which means that this allocation decision is even more important if you're stepping into early retirement before age 60. Inflation is another important factor to consider when it comes to to your post-retirement portfolio growth as well. You know, positioning yourself too conservatively once you retire and thus hampering your portfolio's ability to keep up with inflation can make it, uh, you know, that, that alone can be a mistake. So ensure you have a well-diversified portfolio that can ride out any downturns but still participate in the growth of the market. And remember, you're planning on decades in retirement, not just a few years. So you have to plan accordingly with your investments. Yeah, that's that's right. So, you know, the the budget and the long time frame is very, very key. Another key thing, Steve, here is uh, health care costs, making sure you understand that people, you know, aren't eligible for Medicare until they turn to 65. So if you're retiring before that, it really is critical. You got to have a plan in place for any health care related expenses. And there are several options for purchasing health care insurance in retirement. Um, but unless you can keep your employer sponsored health care plan into retirement or maybe obtain you know coverage to a spouse um, through their through their current employer, the cost can and probably will be significant. Yeah. So what are your options when you when, if you take early retirement? <clears throat> you know, one option would be something called COBRA coverage which allows you to keep your current employer's coverage for 18 months. And that may be a good idea if you're near the age of 65. Um, but also you need to think about long-term care insurance, <clears throat> which can also be a route to consider, uh, you know, depending on the size of your assets. Nursing home coverage whenever you're retired uh, is, is very important. So should you and your spouse find yourself needing care, um, that can be expensive and quickly erode your savings. So long-term care insurance is something that you need to consider in retirement to alleviate the stress, you know, so in the event that you had to go into a nursing home or assisted living. But regardless of your situation, ensure that you'll have enough money to pay for any health care insurance and the cost that you may incur during retirement. You know, while how much you'll actually need for medical expenses is is always uncertain, um, you should have enough extra money set aside to contribute toward anything unexpected, such as a sudden illness or injury. Obviously, you have to maintain an emergency fund sure. for that, John, <clears throat> as we talk about all the time. Yeah, so you got to figure out uh, health care costs. Very, very important. And the last one here on the list, Steve, is make sure you're mentally prepared to stop working. And you know, a lot of people don't consider that a sudden change from working – 40 hours or more per week to having no employment responsibilities can be 
really jarring. It, it takes a while to get used to, and it's really important to outline a plan to keep your mind and your body stimulated. So what activities are you going to have um, to fill the time and you know the opportunities that are going to be in front of you? How are you going to do that? Do you need to learn a new skill maybe is something uh, that you ought to be looking at? What are some of the goals for spending time with your grandchildren or friends or maybe other loved ones? So make sure you have a plan that you've thought through mentally you know, the financial is one piece of it. Um, we can do numbers and figure that out, but the mental side of it can be just as challenging. Absolutely. And once you do retire and you've taken that well-deserved break, um, you know, you may want to consider picking up a part-time job, uh, maybe a few hours a week just to keep you active and to keep you kind of plugged in to, to the community. Um, think about working or volunteering somewhere that supports a cause that you're passionate about. Um, that always helps. It always helps if you learn a new skill um, or provides other opportunities that are on your bucket list. <clears throat> so, you know, consider those types of things. These are the five things you really need to think about. The main things you need to think about if you're heading into early retirement. Taking these steps can help turn your dream of early retirement into a reality. You know, if you're unsure whether or not you're ready to take the next step, it may be worth speaking to an advisor or somebody that can you know, help look over your budget, help look over your situation and make sure you're prepared for a solid financial future in retirement. So those are the steps for early retirement. And that leads us up here to our last thing, which is the prescription of the week. Yes, Dave, we, we see um, a lot of headlines. There are a lot of mergers uh, that are going on, um, you know, in the industry. There's some talk about, um, I think it's T-Mobile and... Um, I'm not sure, AT&T may be combining forces, but uh, prices are decreasing, which is good. They've been really high you know, for a long time. I got this off of uh, Clark Howard's website, and Sprint has a $15 a month deal uh, on their on their service. Uh, so the, the prescription is, is to go check out your cell phone bill, see if you can lower it. Sprint may be an option. I know in this area, Sprint does not have good coverage. Right. Um, we used to be with Sprint, and we switched okay. to Verizon. Uh, we live out in the country a little bit, and Sprint was not not working at our house, and um, so we're in the Verizon plan. But there are some other options when you look out there: Virgin Mobile, Republic Wireless. Um, but the industry is being being pressured. There's so much competition; technology is changing that they're having to come down and and um, and meet people at a lower level. Yeah, I mean, this offer that you mentioned <clears throat> here is an incredible offer from Sprint for $15 a month. According to the offer, you get unlimited data, text, and talk with streaming um, video and DVD quality. So, I mean, that's a – and we looked at the a kind, of, kind of a comparison website, and they said that's a crazy deal, which, um, you know, that that's really unparalleled by the other major carriers – so I don't know. That's something I would definitely look at. I mean, I think it is time. You do want to re reprice your cell phone plan. There is competition out there. If you're in an area where, you know, Sprint's a, a good option for you, that you have good coverage at home, uh, you probably want to consider that. I mean, $15 a month, gee whiz. I mean, that's, that's yeah. just... That's the way it used to be. Yeah, it, it <laughs> used to be that. 10 years now, ago, 15 years ago. Now the data is such a big deal. You know, you're going to pay, you know, $45, $50 a month for data um, if you're just on a plan with just a couple of you. So, uh, yeah, it's it's expensive. You need to reprice it. I think there is competition out there, and some of these smaller carriers, depending on where you're at, might be a good alternative. So that's a good prescription of the week. 
All right, and that leads us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard and Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 